Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. You're listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gillikin. I'll be joined later on by the skipper dude who will give us his typical, unique perspective of the NFL. We will talk about the Broncos preseason game four, what they look like in regards to their depth, what we can look forward to for their final preseason game five. Not very much. And also, we'll take a look around the NFL and talk about stories such as the shocking, shocking news of Andrew Luck retiring and bye-bye to one of my favorite NFL players and all-time favorite NFL players and college players in Andrew Luck. I hope he comes back. We'll start the show with a little bit of just an overview of what happened in the Broncos game against the LA Rams. Now, we said last week that, and this was before anyone knew that they were going to rest their starters, I said that it was likely they would because when you're coming off of a short week, the last thing you want to do in the preseason is to get someone hurt, right? I mean, you don't want guys getting hurt. You don't want injuries. And so why on earth start these guys for a preseason game on a short week? Just didn't make any sense. So, of course, it's logical that they rested their players. Um, You heard that here first, (laughs) by the way. Um... And so really the game was was fairly meaningless in a lot of ways. This team that we saw against the Rams is nothing like we're going to see, obviously, for the regular season. Really nothing at all. I think maybe two or possibly three potential starters, you know, were, were playing. Um, Jake Butt saw some time, though he's not a starter, but he'll obviously get some time on the field if he's healthy. Um, I thought Justin Hollins played very well. Juwan Winfrey will probably get some time in the regular season as well. But in general, yeah, we didn't see very much. It was a really amazingly boring game, especially the second half. And there's not 
all that much to report. I mean, this is, again, the preseason, and it's technically the Broncos. I mean, it is the Broncos' fourth preseason game, even though it's preseason week three. And typically, that's the game where where you're really just the last few spots on the roster are fighting to win a job. Now, the weird thing about this team this year is that there are a few of these spots that are still wide open. I mean, it's not even just like two guys fighting for it. It's like four guys fighting for it. This is kick returner, punt returner, and really special teams as a whole. And these guys should be really terrified, honestly. I don't think anyone really has stuck out and shown that they are the guys for the job. You know, River Craycraft, I saw um, uh, McKinley, I think. I forget the receiver's name. I mean, guys I barely even know out there, you know, receiving punt return, you know, getting punt coverage and yeah I mean no one stuck out no special teams still it looked better I thought besides you know Wadman the punter you know shanking it off his foot uh, I think he ended up having a 20-yard punt at one point but I can see a lot of these guys getting booted and the Broncos going out and just filling up the roster with other people's cuts because you know the depth is already bad enough. If, if these guys aren't cutting it, why keep them? I mean, if if River Craycraft isn't getting open, if he's not you know catching punts properly enough to get the job, then he shouldn't be on the roster, obviously. And there are going to be enough quality guys getting cut by good teams that you may as well go and, and, and pick them up. And I think we'll see that at least for a few of the positions for the Broncos roster. Now, there were some guys that flashed. There were some guys that in watching the game, it was like, wow, I mean, they, they really stuck out. The one who, I think, to everyone, and, and to me, for sure, who just stuck out was was Mike Purcell, um, a guy who looks, he looks, um, I cannot think of names this morning, good grief. Um, he looks like the, the Broncos' defensive tackle from a few few years ago. Pecco, Pecco. Uh, he's got these big, he's a big dude, and he's got this long, curly hair uh, tied up kind of in a kind of a big ponytail type thing. And so he, he brings back memories of Domata Peko, and he was on fire. And this dude was in the backfield. Like every play, it seems he was on the field. I mean, he was totally, totally a man among boys against that offensive line of the LA Rams. And that was really through the whole game. That was through the first quarter, really through the fourth. And he was making plays all game long. And so he's a guy, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know his name. Now, that's my fault, probably, that I haven't studied their depth chart well enough. But, I mean, I've always heard Zach Kerr is kind of being your backup DT. Um, and this guy came from nowhere. And now he's kind of on the bubble between him and Kerr. And, and after having that game, I, he was dominant. I, I, I honestly thought there were times he was the best player on the field, which is pretty shocking for, for a kind of a no-name defensive tackle. So good for him. Um, that's what you want to see. And, and that's what I haven't seen enough of, of this team. I haven't seen enough guys that are just balling. You know, I mean, maybe that's unfair. Um, maybe it's just bad luck. Maybe it's just, you know, it's preseason, so it's ugly. But it seems like to me in, in the past, you, you find guys who are just, who ball out. I mean, Philip Lindsay, for example, guys who show that they want it more, that they're more talented than people expected. And I didn't really see that this preseason, which worries me a bit. It worries me that, Either the last this draft was not all that good, and so you don't have guys that are really sticking out, or more importantly, or maybe less importantly, equally important, that the depth is really, really not good on this team. And I think that is an issue. And I think that I've seen some of these the the local media in Denver, um, one hundred four three, the fan in particular, 
um, complaining about um, saying that, you know, hey, maybe we should start panicking about Rich Gangarello's scheme. And it's a like, good grief. I mean, don't ever panic about schemes in the in the preseason. That, that's that's a ridiculous take. I mean, that's, that's stupid. I mean, the, the schemes are never the same as they're going to be in the regular season, of course. So, no, you don't worry about the offense <laughs> in the preseason. Now, the scheme, I mean. Now, yeah, you can worry about some of the players because, yeah, the depth isn't very good. But again, geez, we didn't see almost a single starter out there. So is it time to panic about this offense or this team? Absolutely not. Should we be worried about the depth on offense and defense? Yeah, I think we should a bit. Now, there were a few guys on defense that stuck out. Again, Mike Purcell. I thought Justin Hollins had a really good game. He's a guy I think he's going to have an immediate impact on this defense. He played the entire game. He played every snap. I think 69 snaps. He had eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and looked really good. I was really paying attention to him especially in the second half, because he flashed to me in the first half. And so I was really trying to focus on him as the game went along. And he just seemed like a guy who's who's very athletic, and he just seems to get it. He just, I think he's a kind of a ball hawk. He kind of knows where to be. Uh, he, was, he was also, you know, rushing the quarterback on a few plays and got some decent pressure. So he's a guy to look out for. I think Justin Hollins is, could be a very good player. I mean, you also saw Draymond Jones, uh, I believe he got a sack, at least a at least a pressure and, and um, nice play in the back. But no, it wasn't a sack. It was a it was a stop. I think on a on a run play. But either way, um, Draymond Jones looked very good. So we've, we've had a couple rookies on defense that looked quite solid in this game, but they haven't blown us away in the preseason. And I think that's that's a bit too bad. And I think that's something that we should be yeah a little worried about. And really, as we all know we're not going to really know what this team is until week one against the Raiders. Uh, week one, you know, they're going to show us what scheme they're actually going to run, which obviously we kind of are familiar with it. It's going to be a bit of a more wide open Kubiak scheme. Um, but until then, let's not panic about the offense. Don't listen to the other people in the media. They're, they're making you worry about how this, how this team is going to get yards. I mean, at this point, we don't know, but the good thing is the offense is getting healthier. That is such a big deal. Flacco is healthy. Lindsay's healthy. Sanders is healthy. Jake Butt looks healthy. That's a big deal. If this team can go into week one and put out the team that they planned to, you know, that their starting roster, it is a solid offense. I don't think it's a great offense. I'm not even sure it's a good offense, but it's a solid offense. Flacco will get the job done. He'll make some nice throws. If Sanders can be as good as he looked in in the third preseason game, then watch out. Draft him high, guys. Draft him high. He's going to be the number one target on this team, almost without a doubt. I think Noah Fant can be a very good, at least, red zone target. Jake Butt, if he's healthy. Jeff Hireman, if he's healthy. So a lot of it hinges on health. And if they're healthy, if this roster starts with a team they want to put on the field, then it'll be decent. Now, I've said all along, I think this is a seven-win team in 2019. I think that they they have a very, very hard schedule. They don't have very good depth. Their quarterback's not great. They're in a new scheme. I'm doing a new show, a new podcast. I'm, I'm pitching a new podcast where I go and, and cover the NFL betting lines. And right now I'm covering 
Um, I, I've already covered the AFC South and the AFC East, and I go through each team and I look at, okay, what's their projected win total? So, for example, say the New York Jets are projected to win six and a half games. So you have to bet the over or the under. And so I go through and I, and I buy or sell each line. And the way I've focused on it is not through stats, not through numbers. I focus on the human element, which means looking at the coaching staffs, looking at the new schemes, looking at drama in the locker room, injuries, um, travel, strength of schedule, stuff that affects human beings, not necessarily just stats. And, you know, some stats as well, of course, but not only stats. And when I do that with the Broncos, it's it's not overly optimistic. And we're going to cover that more next week. I'm going to go in-depth in my, um, I guess, research or my way of my strategy of looking at this team and saying how many wins I think they'll they'll get and what their line is according to Vegas. And if I buy or sell. We'll talk talk about that next week when we're finally, finally, finally heading into the regular season, which cannot come soon enough. I'm sure all Broncos fans agree. What I want to talk about today in upcoming segments, I want to talk about if I like the depth of each group on this team, if it's a pro or a con, if it's above average, below average, in my opinion, this is just subjective. It's my opinion. And, of course, we'll talk about what I liked and did not like from this past week and also the amazing stories from around the NFL, including the shocking retirement of Andrew Luck. All of that coming up after this quick break. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So I know one of the things I've gotten beat up about in my previous shows was talking negatively about the wide receiver group and people asking, oh, what... What information do you have? What insight do you have to say that they're not very good this preseason? And I, I, it's just what I see and what I hear. That's what I can go on. Okay, I mean that's all I've got. Yes, I'm in Germany. I can't go to the Broncos practices. Okay, so I can only get the information I have. I can only study into it. I can look into it. I can listen. I can watch. That's all I've got. So this is based on my opinion of what I see, and I still don't see this as being a very good wide receiver group. Now, that being said, I think. Emmanuel Sanders being the number one and being healthy is a humongous boost to this team. If it had been Cortland Sutton as your number one, and then you go down the line to Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick as your two and three, you're in trouble. Now, if it all skips down a step because Emmanuel Sanders is your number one and looks quite good or looked very, very smooth in the one preseason game he played, 
And if he can be the Emmanuel Sanders we know, then of course the wide receiver core is going to take a step in the right direction. That said, these guys got to show up. They've got to show up. Cortland Sutton, he's had a couple nice catches in camp. I mean, so has Tim Patrick. But you don't hear their name positively all that much. I don't. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I just don't hear it that much. Deshaun Hamilton, I've heard nothing positive about him. I've heard little negative about him, but nobody has flashed except for Emmanuel Sanders. Now, hopefully that's enough. Hopefully the Sanders, being Sanders, raises all boats. And I said last week that he is the number one most important player on this offense, period. I think even more than Joe Flacco. Now, I think, yeah, I get it. Flacco is the quarterback and that's the most important. But I think that the drop-off from Flacco to, to Locke, it, it's a big one, obviously, and 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 a big one in terms of, of experience and knowing the offense and knowing defenses. But in actual terms of, of, I don't know, physical talent, it's not a huge drop-off. I think it's a huge drop-off from Sanders even to Sutton in just terms of making plays. And, and I mean, if the way if he goes, and he's going to raise the, the, the boats of the team so much higher than anyone else. I, I really, truly believe even more than Joe Flacco. Yes, that is kind of a hot take. But I think if Emmanuel Sanders gets hurt and doesn't play, that is a bigger loss than if Joe Flacco doesn't. Crickets, I know. Right. I know everyone's shaking their heads right now. Quarterback is the most important position, but hear me out. I think that's the case. Sanders could make this an at least average offense. No Sanders, and it is a very much below average offense, especially with injuries. I mean, Hireman and Butt, are they ever actually going to be healthy? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I, I hope that it's Noah Fant and Hireman and, and Butt in there every now and then. I think they, they could be a good tight end group, but they're never healthy. So we've got to wait and see. I mean, that it's it's just it's an impossible position to predict. There's talent there, of course, but they've got to stay healthy. They could be above average. The wide receiver group with Sanders could be a little above average, at least the one and two. I do not love Hamilton and Patrick as three and four. That's just, it's not great, guys. It's not great. I mean, Okay, maybe Hamilton shows up in the regular season. I certainly hope so. But I'm 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 betting you're going to see a fairly high draft pick on a wide receiver in 2020 by the Denver Broncos. Quarterback position is definitely below average. ESPN has them ranked as the worst quarterback room in football. I think that's a little harsh, but it's not that far off. There aren't that many teams with as bad of a room at least predictably, as the Broncos. Now, Joe Flacco has a pretty high ceiling. For goodness sake, he is a former Super Bowl MVP, but the last five years, he has not been good. So, yeah, until they prove otherwise, you know, that there's no no reason to think they're going to be great. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, obviously Lindsay is a pro bowler. I think he is a really, really good talent. Now we have to see if he can stay healthy. He's a smaller guy. He's going to get popped. Maybe he will stay healthy. For goodness sake, I hope so. Darren Sproles played for, what, 12 seasons or something, and he's a fairly similar running back, at least in size. But it's it's each dude is different. Look at, look at Andrew Luck. Some guys heal. Some guys get hurt. Some guys get hit. Some guys don't. Lindsey got hurt. 
So we have to see if he can stay healthy. Royce Freeman, you know, he had that one really good run in the Hall of Fame game. Since then, he's done squat diddly. Devontae Booker, I don't know. Has he even played in the preseason? (laughs) Not much. Now, I understand why they're not playing the running backs because Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans just tore his ACL in the preseason. He's their number one running back or was. Brutal. So I'm very glad the running backs haven't gotten a look. And I think this with Lindsey and Freeman, they definitely, definitely could be an above average group. But again, there are question marks. So when you look at the skill positions, they don't blow you away. I think running back could be above average. If Noah Fant is a really good tight end, he could be. They could be above average at tight end, but we don't know. It's all a question mark. So really, the only position we we can confidently say could be quite good is wide receiver one, and that's if Sanders is healthy. Now the offensive line, there's talent there. There's definitely talent there. Bowles, Reisner, Leary, James. Now McGovern at center, I don't love. That's a group that that could be well-coached. It could be coached up to be above average. Maybe, maybe. But right now, I don't love it. And we shouldn't love it. They're run blocking in, in in preseason game three, in their game three, was atrocious. And that was with the starters. The pass blocking has been solid. But there's nothing to tell us that this offensive line will be anything above average. There's not. And so when you look at each and every group on this team, there's nothing above average on offense. Not really. Maybe the running backs, if they're healthy. Maybe. But I, I know we, we, we're drinking this Kool-Aid. Jeez, guys, I'm a Broncos fan. I, I want this team to win every game. You know that. Jeez. But we have to look at this and say, okay, look, they're not there yet. They're not. Joe Flacco, yeah, I mean, cool. Sanders, great if he's healthy. Hireman, Fant, but yeah, maybe. They're all hurt all the time. If Troy Fumagalli ends up being your number one tight end, you're not going to have a very good tight end position. So there's a lot of question marks on offense, and there's not a lot guaranteed for success. So we've got to look at that. Overall, this is a below average offense, and I don't think that's even remotely questionable. Now, the good news is when you start looking at the defense, it is definitely an above-average defense. Literally, the only position I worry about is inside linebacker, as I think everyone else would agree. Todd Davis being injured doesn't help. Now, if Todd Davis can be completely healthy and play even better than he did last year, okay, you know, maybe. Josie Jewell the same. I think they're going to be decent against the run, but they, they, they haven't proven they can cover tight ends or anything. So maybe the scheme is going to help them out. I hope so. They can't be much worse than they've been in the last few years. And I do fully believe in Fangio that he is going to figure out how to use a scheme to to the best, use the players to the best of their advantage. I think they're going to have a guy in Fangio that was like Wade Phillips that, that knows how to use his players in their skills, which in the last few seasons obviously did not happen. So the defense has really few weaknesses honestly you, you start looking at their team and you like I like their defensive line you know you look at defensive end Derek Wolf boom Draymond Jones has looked really solid as the backup nose tackle Shelby Harris I freaking love Shelby Harris 
Adam Gotzis has been a monster in the preseason. Demarcus Walker has flashed at times. Mike Purcell was like my top player in this last preseason game by a mile. Bradley Chubb is freakish, could be a superstar, truly could be a superstar. Justin Hollins backing him up as the strong side linebacker. I mean, he looked really good. He was the top player aside from Purcell on this defense, in my opinion, in this last game. Got a lot of reps. Looks looks like he's in shape. Looks very athletic. Von Miller is Von Miller. Future Hall of Famer, no question. Dakota Watson, eh, okay. Malik Reed has been very solid, the, unsi- the undrafted free agent. So good depth behind Miller at weak side linebacker. I wouldn't say great, but good. At your right cornerback, you have Bryce Callahan, who had, had a lot of success with Fangio. Behind him, Devontae Bosby has flashed at times. I thought he's he's looked good. Now, he gave up a long pass um, in this last game, but really it was because he was tackled by his own teammate, Sua Cravens. Thanks a lot, Cravens. Cravens, it's like, what are you doing, dude? I mean, he comes streaking across the field and it hits Bosby rather than the receiver. It's like, I don't know if he just missed time to hit or if he's slow. That that was a weird play. Go back and look at that the long reception. I think it was like a 40, 50-yard reception. I think I believe in the first quarter, maybe second quarter. And Bosby had decent coverage, but he was he was maybe half a step behind. I think he could have broken up the play potentially before Sua Cravens just uh took him out. <laughs> so anyway, Bosby is flashed. He's got to learn how to catch the freaking ball because he should have had a pick six against San Francisco two weeks ago. Of course, at left cornerback, you have Chris Harris Jr., who I believe is one of the best cornerbacks in football. Hopefully he can prove that still as he is in his um, early 30s, I think he can. I think he still has a few years of superstar left in him. Isaac Yadam has been really solid, I think, in the preseason. He, he's he to me, has been a, one of the best um, stories of the, of the preseason. He's shown that I think he can be that number three cornerback, which, thank goodness. If you got Yadam at three, Bosby at four, I think that's okay. It's not great, but I think Harris and Callahan are really, really good at one and two. And so your number three and four don't have to be great, I think. Strong safety, you got Kareem Jackson. Sua Cravens, hopefully he doesn't keep tackling his own teammates. Free safety, you got Justin Simmons, Will Parks. Justin Simmons, I think, has six interceptions, not in the preseason, but in in, um, in practice and whatnot. So he's been a total ball hawk. Apparently looks really, really good in this defense. So the secondary is boom, sweet, love it. The edge rushers are awesome. The defensive line, I think, could be really good. So the only question is inside linebacker. But either way, this is a well above average defense. Well above average. I mean, I think it's potentially a really good defense. And that being the case... If Joe Flacco goes out and this offense craps on 2019, which they might, I think bye-bye Joe Flacco. This is time to win. This is the time to win. And we're going to talk about exactly why in an upcoming segment because one of the top quarterbacks in the AFC no longer is a quarterback in the AFC, which opens at least a little bit of a window for a better chance of winning the Super Bowl in the next few years. And the Broncos must, they must capitalize 
That's up next after this quick break. Before we get into the Broncos' opening window in the EFC, potentially at least, and other news around the NFL, which it's not all going to be about Andrew Luck, just most of it, um, I do want to go real quickly through what I liked and did not like through after the preseason game four. Um, what I saw and what I liked, um, Justin Hollins, we talked about again, he had a really good game. He flashed to me. He's a guy who I think is going to see some time on this offense as a rookie, and that's all you can ask for in a you know fairly late round. I think he was a fifth rounder um, out of Oregon. Winfrey, I liked what I saw from him. He had only one catch for 19 yards, but I thought he ran some good routes, and he had a pop on special teams. He really lit up the, the, the returner. And that is what you must see from people. People have got to start flashing on special teams, you know, offense, defense, whatever. Winfrey finally did it, and I think it's going to guarantee him a spot on the opening day roster. Now, Jake Butt also had two catches, looked good. That's fantastic for this offense. The more pass catchers, especially a tight end that Joe Flacco has, the better this offense will be. And I like where they're headed I don't love it. I think they'll be below average, but if they stay healthy, we'll see what they can do. We'll see what they can do. Now, I also liked Mike Purcell because the dude was just a monster on the inside of that defensive line and should absolutely have earned himself a spot on the roster. Now, what I did not like, Kevin Hogan looks awful. I mean, just awful. The guy, I mean, I was watching the the broadcast on NFL Game Pass and it was the... Uh, the Rams network. And I'm not even kidding. They were almost laughing when Kevin Hogan was attempted to throw an out route. And it was kind of to the far side of the field and it landed a couple yards short, I think. And it was, I I mean, I am barely exaggerating when I say, I think I might be able to throw a stronger ball than that. Maybe now, now I, I get it. Everyone's like, yeah, Kevin, whatever, but it was weak, man. I mean, this guy does not have an arm. He doesn't have pocket awareness. He he's running before anything is set. The, the and the offensive line wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. He had some time. He had some open receivers. He is bad, guys. The guy should not be on this team. End of story, period. I don't care. Shouldn't be on the team. Maybe as like a third or fourth string. The guy looks awful. And he's made the rest of the team look awful. For goodness sake, I've been brutal about the receivers. Maybe part of the problem is they don't have a quarterback. You look at the stats of the preseason, and Locke looks like by far the best statistical quarterback. Now, part of that's because he had time, but boy, does he look better than Kevin Hogan. I really hope that Locke is back and healthy sometime before it's too late for the regular season because Hogan's got to go. Got to go. So that was one thing I did agree with James Merrillette and 104.3 The Fan, which I know it's crazy to say because I don't agree with like anything coming out of there is that Brock Osweiler might be a better option. And you know what? It sounds crazy, but he looks better than Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan can't can't complete an out route. Osweiler, I think he could complete an out route. Osweiler has some success in the NFL. And why not? I mean, he'd be cheap. I, I, I like that, actually. I, I don't see why not. Now I get it. He's been here twice, but that, that's kind of a good thing. You know who he is. I think his teammates like him. He'd be a solid veteran backup. I, I, sign me up. Sign me up. Why not? I mean, I, I'm not saying start the guy. 
I'm not saying he should be the starter, but as a number two, I don't think, could anyone look worse than Kevin Hogan? I keep hearing over and over people saying about the, the preseason that these defensive coordinators are like running out high school type defenses, like schemes. If that's the case, how on earth are these offenses not playing better? Do the Broncos have more than, I, th- I think they've scored something like a total of 20 points in the preseason. Good grief. Now, so I'm not saying panic about Scangarello. He's also running a high school offense, but shouldn't the Broncos quarterbacks be taking some advantage of this? Oh, Kevin Hogan hasn't. Yikes. Dump him. Dump him. For goodness sake. What else do I not like? Other receivers in returning team, as we talked about, the, the depth at receiver and return, they, they just they don't do anything. No one flashes like ever. I mean, what what was the receiving totals? Um, let's see. Winfrey had one reception for 19 yards. Calvin McKnight had three receptions for 16 yards. Trinity Benson, one for 10. Craycraft, three for nine. The rest were, were, I mean, Fumigaldi was your top receiver with 44 yards for five receptions. And I mean, Fumigaldi actually looked pretty good. The tight ends, I'm not actually that worried about. But these these depth-wide receivers have been, honestly, fairly garbage. Now, so I'm glad that Winfrey has, he stepped it up a bit. He had a nice catch and he had a nice tackle. So he's probably going to wrap up that spot. He also had that, that touchdown in the first game, in the Hall of Fame game, but Man, oh man, if Sanders gets hurt, I'm not even kidding. This team could tank. Even with a great defense, they could tank. That's how bad this offense could be. What was the last thing I didn't like? Where did my list go? Um, Yeah, just I, I'm the stupid commenters. You know, I shouldn't even say commenters. I should see this some stupid people in the media panicking about this the schemes that's just ridiculous it's the preseason you really think they're running out their actual schemes man oh man i mean people get paid for this they get paid to to have these takes sometimes i wonder it's like and yeah i've had bad takes too you know it's true you're allowed some bad takes but man it's just like every day they have bad takes every now and then it's like at least get something right are we panicking about Scangarello? No, we're not panicking about Scangarello. We don't even know what he's going to run. Jeez. Depth is a worry. Other than that, let's let's stay calm and hope that this offense can somehow manage to be at least average. If they're average, if this offense is average, if Joe Flacco is average, this team could be a playoff team. No joke. That's how good the defense is. Just average. That, that's it's seriously all we ask for from this from this offense. Be average, and I will be super super happy. If not, if they can't win seven games, if they can't win eight even, and show that they're moving in the right direction, if they win five or six, I think Flacco's got to go. Cut your bait. You don't you don't eat his salary. You run with Locke, or you go and get someone else because there is a window opening in the AFC. And they have to take advantage of it. Andrew Luck was one of the guys who was going to compete in the AFC once Tom Brady's gone, which is sooner rather than later, even if he says it's not. And it really leaves you with three really good quarterbacks, or it did, I should say, with Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. They were kind of your future of the AFC. Okay, you can also say Baker Mayfield, but 
let's wait a little bit before we say he he's with the other guys because he's still only played what six games in the NFL, but maybe Mayfield. And now, really, I think the number two or one B quarterback in the AFC, or at least of the fairly young guys, just retired. Shocking. I mean, truly shocking. It, it's something that we could probably talk about for an entire show. He, he couldn't stay healthy. and it, It's a shame. I, I love the guy. I seriously do. I mean, I, I, he's, I think he might be my favorite player in the NFL. I, I even say maybe over the Broncos players. He's just such a good dude. He, he's, he's fun to watch. He's a great talent. And I just love how he's such a nice guy on the field. You know, like he gets tackled is like, and he always says like, nice hit, bro. I mean, uh, it's awesome. And it's like Philip Rivers. I, I respect guys who don't have potty mouths and stuff. Now, maybe that's ridiculous. That's just me. That That's my opinion. I like that. I'm really, truly bummed luck is retiring. But, you know, the dude's gotten paid and he wants to have a normal life. You know, he doesn't want to hurt all the time. I get that. I played, you know, semi-pro iffy football for about two years and I hurt all the time. And this was really, you know, low-level football compared to the NFL. I mean, not even in the same stratosphere. And I hurt. My neck hurts every day. It is a brutal sport. And, and your body, most of these guys, it, it never recovers. So I understand why he retired. Now, I think it's definitely possible he comes back in a year or two. Absolutely. Once he's healthy, feeling good about things, back to the positivity, he misses his teammates, I think he'll come back. But you got a one or two year window, I think. One or two years, that's it. Indianapolis isn't going to be good this year, maybe not next year. Heck, maybe not ever. But I think Andrew Luck comes back. And so you got to win now. Mahomes still doesn't have a great defense, even a very good defense. So, heck, I don't know if they're going to be great. There were rumors that they wanted to trade Tyreek Hill. (laughs) Talk about drama in the locker room. Talk about a bad egg in the locker room. Take advantage. Next year, the Broncos are close. They have a defense that is shaping up to be great. It's not there yet, but with a great coach, with two great pass rushers, a great cornerback, Man, they're 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 on the road, man. They're on the road and they have some some guys on offense. You need the quarterback. Now, goodness gracious, I hope it's Joe Flacco, but there's no evidence to show me that it is. And if it's not, then either you got to run with Drew Locke for half a season and see if he can be that guy for for 2 or 3 years from now, or you got to go get someone else because now is the time. You've got the defense, you've got some skilled players and the AFC is opening up. If maybe the Patriots have one more season in them, maybe even two. I I don't think two. Maybe one more because they've got a brutally easy schedule, which is ridiculous. But eventually their run is going to end. It's coming to a close. And when it does, so are the runs of Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger is getting towards 40. The LA Chargers with Phillip Rivers, who's getting he's getting close to 40. These guys are going to start hitting the wall, and it's going to leave you only a few great quarterbacks in the AFC. Now is the time. The Broncos have to take advantage of it. Have to. Do it. The point being, primarily, if, if, if Joe Flacco can't show that he can be good, 
in the first even half of the season, kiss him goodbye. There's no point in it. And, and it brings up some of these other stories around the NFL, like, like Ryan Fitzpatrick winning the job in Miami. Why? What's the point? Miami's not going to win anything. In fact, they're trying to tank, really. They've got everyone on their team up for sale. All their good players, at least. And so you went out and got Josh Rosen. Why did you get Josh Rosen from Arizona? Because they thought maybe he could be the future of the team. And now you're not going to start him to see if he's the future quarterback? What the heck? I mean, it's such a bad decision. I mean, it's but it's a new head coach. And you know what? New head coaches want to win right now. You know why? Because if you don't win right now, you lose your job. And so he's going to start Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's probably going to win a few games, and he's probably going to lose Miami the chance of getting a high pick. And why Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the future of Miami. So you got to find out if Josh Rosen is. If Josh Rosen isn't, then you have to draft somebody. It's like the worst possible case scenario for, for Miami. I mean, the Miami fans have got to be just like beside themselves right now. Are there fans in Miami? <laughs> I guess that's a, that's another question. But it's the same issue here in Denver. Now, if you think Joe Flacco can lead you to the playoffs in the Super Bowl in the next two years, okay, fair enough. But if he comes out and doesn't flash, doesn't impress in the first half, I think he's got to go. And I bet a lot of people would agree with that. If the Broncos are 500 or below 500 in the first eight games, it should be Drew Locke time. Should be. Because you got to find out what you have. The window is not open in 2019. It's not. This isn't a good enough team. But it could be in 2020. It could. With another good draft, a couple more free agent pickups, they're on the right track. But you got to have it. You got to have a quarterback. And I've said it over and over. The ways to win with a quarterback are either with a Hall of Famer or a cheap young quarterback. It is not, not, not with an expensive meh QB. We don't want to become the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford. Cincinnati Bengals with Andy Dalton. They spend all their money on quarterbacks that are good. Sometimes they flash, but they're not great. And they don't go anywhere, ever. And so the Broncos have to have a, a that opportunity, that, that mindset that they should be willing to put Flacco on the bench and start Locke if, 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 the season starts poorly, which it could because it's a brutal schedule, which again, we'll talk about in much more depth next week. That's going to be our whole focus. We're not going to cover any preseason game because the fourth preseason game barely matters. We'll talk about maybe just the highlights of it, maybe 10 minutes on the preseason game. And we're going to talk about this team, the schedule, the new scheme, the new quarterback. How many games can this team win? And if it doesn't, Live up to expectations. What do you do? What do you do? What should they do? A lot of questions. A lot of questions. And it will be fun to talk about. Real quickly, what else is going around the NFL? Just a few stories I thought were interesting. Obviously, Lamar Miller tore his ACL. That's unbelievably brutal um, for the Texans, who are already a little bit worried about the running back position. Their offensive line's bad. They've got a really good young quarterback and a decent defense. And they're a team that needs to win now, especially now that Andrew Luck is out in the AFC South. Texans have to win now 
and they know it and losing your running back to an ACL tear in the preseason is just heartbreaking and it shows you exactly why teams are going to stop playing anyone in the preseason and it also shows you that the first few weeks of the NFL season are going to be rough keep this in mind don't bet the over. <laughs> I think we could say that fairly confidently for most games. Maybe the only games you can bet the over is with really veteran quarterbacks. Other than that, these rookie guys, I think they're going to really struggle to start the season. Um, look at um, Kyler Murray in Arizona. He's not going to be good to start the season. It's almost guaranteed. He, he's, he doesn't have enough time on the field in preseason. I mean, for goodness sake, John Gruden decided to blitz Kyler Murray in their preseason game, which is kind of a uh, an unspoken rule in the preseason that you don't really bring the heat. And John Gruden being John Gruden and being part of a TV show where he's the star, hard knocks that is, he decided to bring the heat and Kyler Murray looked terrible because he wasn't expecting it. And he's going to be terrible in the first few games. Now, I think he could really pick it up after the first maybe two or three games. Keep that in mind in fantasy. Don't give up on these guys, but remember, it's going to be rough. Bank on your running backs. Don't bank on your young quarterbacks because they are going to be in for a rough start, and we're going to be in for a rough start in watching the NFL. That's almost a guarantee. The Broncos as well. I think you're going to see a lot of 10-6 and six type games in the first few weeks. For the Broncos, we hope that's the case for the entire season because the offense isn't going to put up a lot of points. So we hope that the defense is good enough to win them some games like they did in 2015. That's all I've got for you. I hope that the Skipper Dude is going to end the show with a segment. I'm not sure yet he was traveling this weekend. And so we will have to see if he gets his show in in time before I publish this um, at 3 a.m. on Tuesday morning in the U.S. Um, I just want everyone to please subscribe wherever you're listening to this show. Subscribe to the show. Um, if it's iTunes, if it's, um, I think even Spotify, Pandora, subscribe to the show, um, like the show, follow the show, share the show. it would be fantastic. Um, I hope you like the show. Uh, if you ever have any questions, concerns, things you don't agree with, which I'm sure you all have plenty you don't agree with, please find me on Twitter at Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. And as always, Get all of your Broncos information on milehighreport.com. They really, truly have the best breakdowns of the games and the best coverage of the Broncos and the NFL that you will find in the entire Denver market. And I say that unbiasedly. I followed their site for probably 10 years before I even became any part of it. So they are really the best. Always follow milehighreport.com. Hopefully the Skipper Dude will end the show. If not, I will see you all next week for a in-depth talk and discussion about how many games I believe the Broncos will win in 2019 and what they should do if they don't reach that mark. You all have a fantastic week. The regular season is so close. I can smell it. Yes. Football. It's almost here, guys. Thanks as always, Kevin. A little three-dog night to kick things off today. And joy to the world, we are under two weeks from kicking off the 2019 NFL season. So today, I wanted to give my Bronco 
preview and predictions for 2019. I may be a little bit ahead of the game here. Still a good 10 days before the Broncos play in week one against the Raiders. But let's see if we can get prediction season kicked off with a bang. There, there, now, there are countless of different variables that are going to dictate an NFL team's record over the course of a long season. Things like coaching, strength of schedule, injuries, even referees, and what Kevin and I like to call the social intangibles. Things like leadership, locker room camaraderie, and coaches and players being on the same page strategically. But when it comes right down to it, there are two variables that pretty well dwarf the rest, and they're obvious. That is, how good is your offense, and how good is your defense? And so I thought I would do a little math exercise to get a feel for where the Broncos fit into the NFL offense and defense-wise right now. Now, don't worry, the math isn't very hard. So, let's look at the Broncos' offense and defense on a scale of 1 to 10. The premise here is that a league average offense and defense, a 5 out of 10 on both sides, or a 10 total, should pretty well correspond to an 8 and 8 record. Before you start factoring in things like intangibles, which we'll do later. Now, as context, let's look at last year's Los Angeles Rams. They are one of the better teams on paper in recent years. Offensively, they were a juggernaut. Not not historically good, but certainly one of the top offenses in recent memory. Probably, I'd give them a 9 out of 10. And they were significantly above average on defense as well, where I think we could call them a 7 out of 10. So 9 plus 7 is 16, and I think 16 is realistically the best you're usually going to see a team get. Teams rarely go above that. I'd say the 2007 Patriots were probably a 17, possibly even an 18, but 16 usually is the ceiling. Now, the 2015 Broncos arguably the greatest defense of all time, most definitely a 10 out of 10 on defense. But they were miserable on offense, well below league average. Realistically, probably a 3 out of 10. So 3 plus 10 is 13. And 13 is probably a good number for a team to be a Super Bowl contender. All right, so for this year's Broncos, let's start with the offense. And of course, we'll start the discussion on offense with Joe Flacco. Now, Joe Flacco has never, he, he's, he has been, he's been at the bottom of the NFL statistically the last couple of seasons, probably at about a two or a three out of 10. And let's be honest with ourselves, outside of his miracle playoff run, Flacco has never been anything more than a six. In fact, I'm not honestly sure he's really ever been anything better than a league average quarterback, a 5 out of 10. So I think you have to start the discussion with Flacco at somewhere between a 2 and a 3, like he's been the last couple years, and look for a reason he's going to be better this year. And really, I think there are quite a few. He's certainly healthy. He's picking up a system that seems to be well-designed for him. He'll have better weapons to work with in Denver than he typically had in Baltimore. So I do believe that we can expect more than that 2 or 3 out of 10 performance out of Flacco. In fact, I think a 4 is not unreasonable in this offense. So I'm going to give Joe Flacco a 4 out of 10 as a projection going into this year. Now, next, the offensive line. For as long as Ron Leary stays healthy, this is going to be a dynamite right side of the line. And if Leary goes down, I think you can plug in a guy like a Sam Jones or a Don Barkley or maybe even an Austin Schlotman, and they'll pair up decently with Joan James, who's looked solid in the preseason. So the right side is going to look good. Connor McGovern is a bit of a question mark at center. I've heard quite a bit of good and bad feedback on McGovern. So I think the jury's still out on him at center. And of course, Dal- Dalton Reisner has been everything we hoped he'd be at left guard. 
The fly in the ointment, of course, has been Garrett Bowles, who has done some good things at camp. Bradley Chubb, who goes up against him every day, says he's had a good camp. But he's also had a disturbing number of plays where he still looks like a rookie out there. So much so that it's gotten Bronco Country fishing for options to replace him. Be it something simple like starting Elijah Wilkinson, who has had a look good in camp, or, or, or perhaps pulling off an extravagant trade with the Redskins to get their stud tackle Trent Williams. Guys, here's a news flash. Most NFL teams are having these exact types of problems on the offensive line. I'm not ready to panic yet on Bowles. If he hasn't shown good improvement by the end of this year, then I think you move on. But this is not a time to panic and do something stupid. Not with the NFL's best offensive line coach in Mike Munchak. The huddle and pro football focus both rank the Broncos as the NFL's 12th best offensive line, or a little above average, or about a 6 out of 10. All right, so I think, personally, we may be being too tough on this offensive line in general, and Garrett Bowles in particular. Okay, so now let's move on to the wide receivers. This is a tough group to gauge. If Emmanuel Sanders is your number one wide receiver, you're really not in great shape. Sanders is an absolute elite wide receiver, too, but he's honestly a fairly low-end receiver, one. Deshaun Hamilton is solid as your number three. Tim Patrick is a high-ceiling number four. And then you got guys like Jawan Winfrey and and Fred Brown who are going to give you nice depth. The swing vote, so to speak, is Cortland Sutton. If he becomes the number one wide receiver who he drafted last year and who lit Broncos country on fire with his athleticism in camp, so much so that I actually took him on my fantasy team last year, then this receiver core is a solid 6 out of 10, perhaps even bordering on 7. But if, if, if Sutton is the guy who kind of disappeared during the regular season last year and then got into a fist fight with Sanders early in camp, then this group could be as bad as a three or a four. So really, I believe a big part of this offense's success depends on Cortland Sutton. All right, so now let's look at the tight ends. If they're all healthy, they're going to be a strength of this offense. Noah Fant is still thinking too much, which you would totally expect as entirely understandable for a raw rookie learning one of the NFL's hardest positions. But this has blow, he, he has blow off the top of the roof talent and, and potential and would make a fantastic tight end room coupled with um, Jeff Huerman and, and, and and Jake Butt, if they're healthy. I mean, this this has this group has 7 out of 10 potential, I think, no question about it. And finally, the running backs, Philip Lindsay has a, was a pro bowler last year. Royce Fleming is absolutely no slouch. And then Theo Riddick, once he's healthy, is going to add a weapon out of the backfield like the Broncos haven't had in recent years. I give this a group another 6 or 7 out of 10. So put it all together, and I would love to give this offense a 5 out of 10. But... I just can't. Uh, Flacco has not been good in several years. Bowles and McGovern are question marks. And Sutton, well, we just don't know. And so uh, you know, I see this offense with a 6 out of 10 upside and a 3 out of, out of 10 downside. But I'm going to give them a 4 out of 10. All right, so let's move on to the defense. Guys, this starting front 5 could very well be the stuff of legend. Von Miller is one of the best players in football, 
not just outside linebackers, but players. And Bradley Chubb has managed to outstage him during camp, and he's looked like a man among boys, especially during the San Francisco game. Adam Gotzes has looked like the guy Bill Kolar pounded for the table for in 2016, an absolute uh, an athletic freak. And Shelby Harris has looked like an all-pro. And who knows what Derek Wolf is capable of when the rest of these guys are wreaking havoc and, and, and pulling, and pulling uh, linemen to them on offense. This truly could be historically good starting front five. But behind them, woof, we've got some nice talent, but awfully, awfully young. If you project the second front five as being Malik Reed, Justin Hollins, Dremont Jones, Mike Purcell, and Demarcus Walker, that is literally three rookies and a second-year guy to go with the veteran Purcell. That's going to test Ed Donatel's game planning, and I think you need to be ready to see some rookie mistakes. But there's also a ton of talent and flexibility here as well. So overall... I see a solid 9 out of 10 for this starting front 5, possibly even 10 out of 10 potential here. So now, Todd Davis, if you look at the inside linebackers, Todd Davis and Josie Jewell are certainly not quintessential Vic Fangio-type linebackers, but they do give you some nice skills to work with. The Broncos play a ton of nickel and, and dime, and probably will this year, so I'm not... Sure, if it's a big deal that they don't have high-end inside linebackers, I'm thinking this group is probably about a 5 out of 10. I don't think it's going to matter that much. And then the secondary is a quality bunch. And going to be very very tight and very disciplined on the secondary. This is not the no-fly zone, though. The 2015 Broncos secondary was extremely unique among NFL secondaries in that when Bradley Roby was on his game, you literally had three lockdown cornerbacks. For the 2019 secondary, Chris Harris probably has a little bit of that lockdown talent left in his aging body. But for the most part, Fangio and Donatello are going to have to make their mark with intelligence, basic coverage skills, and tackling fundamentals. That's how this year's secondary is going to make its mark, as a smart group more so than as a talented group. I think this is a solid and relatively deep bunch, and one that could be coached up to a 7 out of 10 if they can master the new defensive schemes and all of the communications. So so looking at the defense as a whole, as a whole, it's hard to imagine it being anything less than 7 out of 10. I think 8 out of 10, potentially. I believe it's absolutely on the table, 8 out of 10, if things go well and injuries stay in check. So let's go ahead and call this defense a 7.5 out of 10. I can't really warm up completely to either 7 or 8. Now you combine that with a 4 on offense, and that gives you an offense and defense score of 11.5 out of 10, out of, out of 20. All right, so that that's basically translate to a 9 and 7 or a 10 and 6 type of record. So now let's look at the intangibles for a moment. Coaching, leadership, locker room, chemistry, players, and coaches all be on the same page. These seem to be in fantastic shape. Even during preseason last year, we were starting to see little signs that all was not well with VJ and Musgrave and, and Joe Woods. I think the social intangibles, as Kevin and I like to call them, really appear strong. And that's so important over the course of a long season, especially when you get into tough fourth quarters. So let's break down the schedule real quickly. I really believe that as week one in Oakland goes, 
So is this season going to go? I, I'm figuring the Broncos are going to go three and three in the division. Now, if they win in Oakland, three and three is absolutely on the table. In fact, you're going to have to even give it a little bit of thought to four and two. If they lose the, the week one, they're going to have a tough road to getting to three and three in the division. But beyond the division, they should be able to go two and two against the NFC North. They play a couple of very tough road games at Lambeau and in Minnesota. You kind of write the figure those as losses, but winnable games at home against the Lions and the Bears. This one, I think, seems to be a pretty straight up likely two and two. Then figure they probably go three and one against what is suddenly a very soft AFC South. And then one and one in their parity games against Cleveland or at Cleveland, which is going to be a very tough game. And then at home against Buffalo, which should be eminently winnable. That's nine and seven. So here's the official skipper dude prediction for 2019. This Bronco team is mostly going to win the games it should win and lose the games it should lose. But the great job that the entire organization has done in overhauling the coaching staff and rebuilding a winning, a winning staff that has created a winning culture is going to take that on paper nine and seven record and squeeze out a tough win somewhere. Might be in Kansas City, in Los Angeles, against the Chargers, maybe in Green Bay or Minnesota. And it's going to take the Broncos to 10 and 6. 10 and 6 is going to be enough for a wild card berth where the Broncos will travel to, wait for it, wait for it, dreams do come true, Baltimore. And, and the greatest road quarterback, uh, playoff road quarterback in NFL history will take the Broncos to Baltimore and win that wild card game. 24 to 13 and the honor of Broncos country will finally be avenged for 2012 and there will be joy to the world and peace will break out in diverse places and beer will flow like water in mountain streams.